Welcome, everyone, to the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Am I my podcast brother's keeper? No, I'm not. The Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 113, the season finale. You know my steez. It's brought to you by Boricua Baristas. Set yourself up for something hot and dark, because this ain't the same stuff at Dunkin' Donuts. Pete, before we get things rolling here, I just want to thank everybody who's been with us all season for the Luke Cage podcast. We, of course, are about to dive in here to the, the season one finale. Got a, uh, a season one wrap-up coming before too long, and of course... Uh, we have the future Marvel stuff looking ahead on FantasticGeek.com. Just wanted to take a moment to thank everybody for listening. Absolutely, Matt. We want to thank everybody who's come along for the ride here with Luke Cage, the Power Man, and your Fantastic Geek pals. The Lowdown, where we review what's going on in the episode. Matt, I love that we begin and followers of the Fantastic Geek family of Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, podcast will immediately recognize back in the day resonating between Luke Cage and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the week that we're podcasting them. Pete, it's just proof that it's all connected when it comes to Fantastic Geek. And uh, I have to admit, Pete, when we were discussing the flashback device, uh, when we were talking about Doctor Strange, I was momentarily like, wait, which which show does back in the day? <laughs> Turns out they both do back in the day. Right. And back in the day here, we have a uh, young Luke uh, who is working on the heavy bag, of course, with his uh, unbeknownst to him half brother Willis, and uh, here it is, young Striker, uh, who is suggesting some restraint here. Willis is asking Carl to uh, to just cool things down. They have nothing to prove. They're already the football champions. Why go over and and, and go crazy with this next thing? Striker says that Lucas isn't ready. Which, Pete, takes us to the present day where Cage and Stryker are fighting, this time each other. Stryker in hammer tech made just to deal with Luke Cage. And punch, he still ain't ready. Had an inkling we would get the backstory here in, in terms of uh, the two of them. And to fold it in here at the season finale when we're as invested as we're going to be in these characters and this uh, rivalry uh, really makes the most sense. After the title card, the fight continues uh, with a barber chair getting thrown out the window. Uh, and Pete, for the length of this series, I have not been completely clear in a good way as to whether the interior set of Pop's Barbershop is on a soundstage with some some fancy camera work to match it up to you know the exterior street location or whether they're in a practical location regardless and and i should mention as a side note the fact that i haven't been clear on that despite the fact i've been looking for seams in the production it's a credit to that production but um the barber chair getting thrown out the window it certainly um brings together what i suspect is the illusion of 
two separate locations. Um, and Misty is there to, to get the crowd back. And we're told that she doesn't have her phone. And Pete, it's just chaos. Even our video friends, they got to get that 4K camera. Yeah, we had talked about the phone situation in our previous podcast. Whose was it? It was not clear. And what do you know that we saw Shades pick it up? And we talked about it in the previous episode. Clearly, it looms large in this episode. Around the corner, the aforementioned Shades and Mariah are back in the car. Uh, a call is made for Alex to get Tembi down there. If, uh, if uh, Mariah is going to be arrested by Misty, then uh, Mariah is going to know how to spin it this time. Yeah, outside of uh, Mount Olivet Church with uh, Shades and um, Mariah uh, talking about who picked up what in the, uh, the scrum there inside of Pops. They don't have the files, but, oh, there's this phone. Huh? That works out well. Back in that shop, indeed, the fight continues. Luke suggesting that he's holding back, but uh, Diamondback uh, seems to think not. Uh, we get some uh, expositional news about uh, how the fight is uh, is going on. That takes us seamlessly to Claire and Mama that are watching at Mama's apartment. We get the reminder, too, that uh, Candace is hiding there as well. Um, she is to stay in the apartment even as Clara leaves. And I have to admit, Pete, that was a nice little, uh, nice little reminder that there's some, there's some story pressure on Candace to maybe not make it out of the episode. Speaking of pressure, Matt, uh, the relationship pressure is, is upped considerably on, uh, Claire in this episode. I mean, that's what moms do. They, they pressure you for, you know, when you're going to settle down. Oh, your, your eyes light up when you see Luke, but given the way that this episode unfolds, it's even more important in the context of this scene. Back at the shop again, it's being wrecked even more. Uh, Misty is urging Luke on from the outside. Come on, Luke. Uh, striker, Inside the shop reminds him, don't forget to breathe, Carl, which takes us to a flashback of young Stryker telling his sparring partner to do the same thing. Not in Domingo's uh, gym, right? This is not Cologne's gym. This is not Fogwell's gym. This is clearly a gym in suburban Georgia. We can tell this because of the sunlight coming through the windows. It's Pete. Look, we've talked before about how in the in the um, fifteen to twenty year ago period, uh, there was there was a rash of uh, of boxing. It was all it was all the the rage. Uh, Rocky Five was inspiring people to 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 build boxing gymnasiums, and uh, that there were some companies that just kind of did uh, did uh, big box type boxing places, and uh, you know derivative. Uh, design to it. They were in Spanish Harlem. They were in uh, Hell's Kitchen. They were in Georgia. It's all, this is how it is, Pete. This is how it is. They're reflecting the real world back to us. Um, back there to. There are some great stunts in this scene in terms of, you know, throwing um, Diamond back into the ceiling, falling down, up the stairs. Now they're in the apartment and then uh, out the window there. Uh, Luke goes flying and uh, Lonnie looking on. It's it's a great set piece as far as all the people that Luke has brushed up against 
who are still in play, of course, throughout this uh, season uh, resurfacing here. And we have the the crowd ooing and eyeing as we, the audience, start to realize that Cage is indeed getting whooped up and down the block, uh, despite the fact that the crowd is cheering him on. Um, the suit continues to power Diamondback back up. Uh, meanwhile, ESU arrives, uh, the same ESU that has, of course, the Judas Bullets uh, head of ESU, Mario, I believe named for the first time here. No, he was named before. Ah, well, Mario. He reminds his ESU crew that uh, they're going to take the shot on his command. Meanwhile, on the sidelines, Mariah's giving that interview with Tembi. Uh, is this the savior of Harlem, or is this the criminal Carl Lucas who went to Seagate? Uh, we get a few shots intercut of the suit powering up. I thought they were going to do something with it, Pete. Like, oh, man, he... He smashed the gem jewel case on the back, and now electricity comes shooting out. They never did. A little bit of a red herring there. It was conspicuously shown several times, like Luke was going to realize and 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 rip it off. I'm I'm kind of surprised that they didn't go down that route. Yeah, and I think it's one of two choices. It's either a a, a loose string or it's a fake out, and. It's there so many times. I think it has to be a fake out, at least for my for my money. Um, but regardless, Luke is getting tired as Claire is let through the police line to be told that she has to stay behind the police line. Hey, you got to get your main characters into the <laughs> into the action somehow. You know, um, Luke says that he's ready to end this. He's always been the mistake of others. If Willis wants to kill him, kill him. This is intercut with Luke's. Uh, or we have intercut with Luke's beating, the, the uh, image of young Luke taking a beating, albeit with young Stryker in his quarter, uh, corner. And uh, the fights mirror each other, including Luke being tired out. Great inclusion of Luke being thrown into the van, by the way, Pete. The van rocking yes. you know, vigorously. Yeah, Wh whatever they did to make that dent happen, uh, you know, looks sure looks practical. Uh, in terms of doing that uh, big, big credit to him there. I was surprised there wasn't, and, and what you're led to believe, at least with the, with the boxing in the, in the past, thought we might get at the, the whole uh, thing between the, the, the two half brothers here, the, the, the setup and, you know, moving towards the, uh, situation where the one would frame the other, that there would be more of a uh, a twist in the past time frame. But uh, if you're going to keep Diamond back around as they ominously leave us at the end of this season, you got to save something, I guess, for next time. The, uh, the crowd uh, starts to chant Luke on. Uh, After all, you reap what you sow. And Luke starts to hit back. Is he his brother's keeper? No, he's not, as he, uh, as he belts uh, Willis over the fence. And uh, it's at this point when police point their guns at Luke, but Misty tells them to stand down. She arrests Mariah in full view of the camera. And uh, with that, Pete, some time passes. Stryker taken out on a gurney, but not before Misty gives him a ration of you-know-what for uh, being a, a broken, false, preaching son of a gun. <laughs> You know, <clears throat> with a with a finale such as this, 
again, not knowing what their plan and, and what the Netflix numbers will say as far as will they, will they get another season? Is, is it even uh, necessary heading as they are into Iron Fist and then um, the Defenders and Punisher likely to be before that and then a second season of Jessica Jones on deck and everything there? Um, you know, there's the, the story bits to tie up as far as at least this round of the rivalry between uh, Willis and Carl. And then there's the things to, to seed for other installments, whatever they may be. Regardless, in this narrative, Luke wipes his bloody lip. He tells Claire that uh, he knew he had to stop feeding Willis hate. After all, sometimes you got to throw out the science and just go with your gut. Just like Claire says, Pete, that's when Luke says he always hears what Claire is saying, even when she's not speaking. Oh, my. Yeah, it's uh, it's paying off as far as the uh, emotion between the two of them. E- even the uh, the 4K cameraman uh, reckons that the brother deserves discretion. Mm, so true. Uh, Misty says that she needs Luke. Uh, she needs to take Luke in for a statement. And uh, Bobby Fish gives Luke some items from Pops. This place doesn't want to be a barbershop anymore, but people will talk about this place for years to come. With that, Luke is set to go to the cop shop. And Pete, out of the blue, here we are. There's only 30 minutes to go. Slightly odd energy. It feels like it's all over, even though we know it isn't. But there's kind of like, there's this falling action after after the the climax of the season. It's like I was saying before, you, you get the resolution, if falsely here, between the two of them because it's clearly set up that they're going to meet again. Um, you know, we, we get our people checking in from, from various places with the, uh, the news of the fight here. We go back to the apartment with Candace. It allows Aisha Axton, who we saw uh, her father's ring stolen from uh, her store earlier in the season, and, and Luke had come to her aid. It, it really brings a, a symmetrical uh, aspect to the tale. And then, you know, here's this text message. You know, full credit for this show in the way that it's used text as a uh, a, a story service. However, Matt, we're we're gonna we're gonna bring up some issues with this a little bit later. Ooh, I can't wait. I don't I don't even know what issues there are. It's all it, it's it's happening live on the podcast, Pete. Anyhow, at the police station, Luke meets Ridley. He wants to clear the warrant issue. Uh, he's innocent, and in one of the more um, writerly stretchings, he even wants to provide context for that dash cam video. Now, Pete, let me just pause the recap here just for a moment and say, I know Luke Cage kind of morally isn't guilty of anything from that dash cam video. And certainly this is a show that, that you know, we, we, we cheer for Luke Cage way more than the police officers. And I'm certainly not blind to, to the issues it's trying to explore there. But dude did throw a cop into the windshield. Yes, there is context. I don't know how that's not 
you know, assault on a police officer. Simple assault at the very least, um, drawn down on for the wrong reasons, but you know, two wrongs do not make a right. So it's kind of that comic booky. Well, they were operating under false assumption and I threw them out of the way and then laid them down. So nobody got hurt. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, look, here we are. This is this was a very well written season. Um, explored a ton of issues while giving us our comic book stuff. If they want to, if they want to take a little writerly twist out of that particular uh, moment, you know, you you've earned it after thirteen episodes, twelve and a half episodes at this point. I Bottom mean, to line, get your comic book in the social commentary, if we can use the uh, peanut butter and chocolate metaphor here, the the old uh, Reese's peanut butter cup. Um, I'm okay given the level of commentary, of prescient commentary that they were able to delicately make in 2016 to, uh, all right, he threw the the one cop. And again, the, the politics of race, that he threw the African-American cop into the dash cam and had, you know, cradled the the Caucasian one and, and laid them both together so that they could be found all nice and neat. I'm all right with it. Bottom line is Priscilla seems nominally convinced that he's here for the right reasons. And uh, Misty uh, further convinces Priscilla not to put Luke in an interrogation room. Mariah, meanwhile, will be given every courtesy just slowly. Uh, we see Mariah starting to, to freak out alone in that interrogation room. Where's my lawyer? And then, Pete, we get some of the uh, the procedural stuff here. Luke being questioned. Officer Albini, he didn't do it. He was out of the state. Claire adds that the officer in the park and Damon Boone, ditto. All you have to do is match the glove uh, shape to that of Stryker's glove. End of the story. Yeah, and that Priscilla here is uh, dragging her feet with her uh, soror in terms of how quickly they will extend these uh, courtesies to Mariah uh, really kind of adds a, a relish to the whole thing here. But Matt, we, we feel it. It's like there's a shoe left to drop. And that text message sent earlier to Candace certainly looms large. Absolutely. Particularly as Luke recounts that he put his powers to use he shut down Crispus Attucks. That wasn't his job. He didn't have a warrant or a shield, but he had to make a difference. Maybe that's what superheroes do, Pete. Help people uh, be stopped by the fear of paralysis. Uh, they, they fight for what's right, regardless of whether you have superpowers or not. And Pete, we intercut with people watching, listening, uh, a, a, whole, a whole mural of black politicians, leaders, artists, um, it's, it's our responsibility, Luke Cage says, to push things forward so the next generation will be farther along than us. Never backwards, always forward. This is the crystallizing moment of this episode. This is uh, Daredevil and uh, Punisher meeting by the grave. Uh, this is uh, Jessica overcoming her, her demons and the, the city coming to grips with what's going on. And now this third defender here coming to grips with his, his bulletproof skin and really the call. With that, we cut to Mariah back in the interrogation room. She's teary eyed. She blames Cornell for not making 
uh, making things big, worrying about the deals. And, and then there was this bad guy. And Pete, was it, was it Diamond Jim? What was his name? <laughs> Great uh, fake out there, of course. And she's, she's playing this. She's playing it big. And, uh, you know, massive props to Alfre Reuter to bury herself in this role. And, uh, you know, the, the crocodile tears, the, the scoogotched details, it all fits in the psyche. You know, earlier she had, uh, she had pawed at her earring there, a, a, a mama Mabel, uh, type of, uh, situation. Yeah. She, she, she said simultaneously, Cornell wasn't the bad guy. He didn't have the guns. Uh, even though he, he, he was making all these deals, not, not dear, dear Cornell, not the one that got the guns back from scarf Cornell who dear, dear Cornell. He's the one who was bad enough to make Mariah swear <laughs> that Luke Cage killed. And oh boy, bottom line is mystique then comes in with crime scene photos. Crime scene evidence shows that Cornell was hit in the back of the head and then fell. And Misty uh, takes it through the show, showing it through her eyes as we revisit that final scene of Mahershala Ali's Cornell. Yeah, Chekhov's mic stand there. And what do you know, Matt? Checked with everybody and there was a mic stand missing. So we're able to tie it back here to Mariah. All of the, the cover up and everything. Well, now the bill has come due particularly and i know that we've we've touched on this this uh topic a bit in the earlier episodes but for mariah to blame the mic stand having gone missing because mariah says you can't trust folks with equipment for her to be invoking the n-word in this situation to, to to further the the stereotype of the 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 shifty unreliable workers that they have there i mean it's just it, it adds insult to injury here this is where the you know pun intended that we're talking about cotton mouth and and uh diamondback the snakes eat their tail and willing to turn on their own save themselves and the worst type of uh language and behavior here from people that we have seen uh, no moral center compass uh, in their in their dealings. Misty plays Candace's recording, and although uh, Mariah calls Candace a derogatory term, it's around this point when uh, Bailey interrupts the interrogation to tell Misty, uh, you know, get get her out in the hall. And it's it's classic. How dare you interrupt me? It clearly can't be as important as what I was doing, but. Um, he then, Pete, delivers the news that Candace was sent to a bodega and shot dead. We see it was Shades. And back in the interrogation room, Misty explodes, blaming Mariah. Mariah, who is gleeful in protesting that she was innocent. And then Mariah, who is set free and uncharged. Yeah, I found it a bit much when uh, Priscilla uh, told... Uh, Misty here, this is the second witness that you have assaulted. She, she didn't touch her. She got in her face. Okay. It was a bit much. Uh, the bigger toll, however, obviously, uh, you know, beyond the life lost is that um, Priscilla, you know, uh, rakes her over the coals here. This was because Misty did not trust 
their system. And she had talked about the value of, of the tin that the shield was, was printed on earlier. But now here we are and the, the, the camera work and the lighting in particular, you know, earlier we had the, uh, the fade back to the club, um, that in-shot transition. And, and now, you know, the, the look of uh, remorse, the, the sobbing on uh, Misty's face, it's, it's completely evident. Still in that police station, Pete, we see Luke and Claire finishing up some Chinese takeout. Hope they it was a, Genghis Connie's. Oh, it better be. Yeah, you got to support those local businesses. Um, they have a lot to talk about, like his future. Luke just wants to chill. But does he want to get some coffee? He, it might. Uh, he might. It depends on the blend. Maybe a little Cuban blend. He's accused of being corny and true. Pete, ay ay ay. I was smiling so broadly as I watched these scenes. These two actors have a, a definite chemistry i'm surprised how charismatic um coulter has come across in this series i didn't see as much in jessica jones i don't know whether that was an issue of they didn't want him to outshine her but he's got a million dollar smile there's this modulation he he does to his voice there's the matter of fact delivery and 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 then there's that that sentimental delivery I call it that he tends to go with, and uh, it it really really works here as corny as some of the dialogue might be. Luke uh, gets up to throw his garbage, and darn Pete, if the garbage isn't right at the end of the hall, that what lets him see Mariah being led out of the police station, a police officer helping her on with her coat. As for uh, as how about for... the way that Mariah plays it too with the with the officer helping her there and, Oh, thank you, dear. And everything like that. I mean, this woman knows she's gotten away again with murder and she's sashaying out of the, uh, the 29th precinct. Luke, uh, asks about the status of her deal, you know, to give him the file. What file? Bye-bye. Ah, just wonderful. Fantastic. It's, It's outstanding stuff. And again, um, Alfre Woodard steals just about every scene, you know, for her and, um, Rosario Dawson to get the, uh, the with and, and honorariums amongst the cast here, uh, with, with good reason. And they just elevate a, an already good series that much higher. Misty then uh, arrives to provide some expositional update for Luke and Claire. Candace is dead. Her testimony is worthless uh, since she's flip-flopped before. Uh, with that, Pete, shocking twist, certainly shocking to me. Marshals arrive ready to arrest Carl Lucas for his escape from Seagate pr- uh, prison. He's willing to go with them. He can prove his innocence, except, Pete, he owes George a time. He starts to walk, but Claire kisses him and kisses him and he kisses her back wow yeah wow it was mariah who again was involved here uh the details she was given of course via shades and uh we're we're pushed with this character into such a corner again it's 
comic book TV, not to use that as a pejorative, but we know that they're going to summon this character again for the Defenders, if not a little sooner, Matt, you know, given his character's association with Iron Fist in the past. There's a reason I think that, you know, we've gone Daredevil as the most recognizable, Jones as perhaps the least recognizable of, of all of them. Uh, but the link up there with Luke Cage, now Luke Cage, and and then to Iron Fist, Danny Rand in our next installment. Um, you know, if, if, if it's not there, it's going to be in defenders and they have that very long standing history, uh, you know, relationship together. But, um, you know, Matt was a little down on this episode in, in terms of what's going on. Hence the, you know, the, the twist and things going in a bad way. You know, what, what I talked about with him when, when we were discussing off mic our, our reactions to the finale. This is the Empire Strikes Back, man. A, a Luke is, is, is headed, you know, in, in the wrong direction. Uh, people are split up. Bad things have happened. Uh, we, we had the, the, the family relation stuff, at least uh, for now. Uh, left the way that it was. And, um, you know, there's a great shot of Claire in that hallway with the reflection that uh, really speaks volumes. The marshals lead Luke out while Mariah gives a statement to the news eyeing Luke. Uh, Luke gets into their SUV while Mariah gets into a different car, this one with Alex and Shades. She's got Cornell's gun now, and it suits her now. Uh, we go back to the Marshalls where they talk detective novels. We really get the sense here about uh, about starting to loop back to where we began. Luke doesn't plan on hibernating. He's always been innocent, and he's got work to do. We cut to Harlem's Paradise where there's a packed crowd. Luke sees uh, the icons of uh, Harlem as, as the, uh, the Marshalls SUV makes their way out of town, including seeing Pop's Barbershop. The music of Harlem's Paradise plays over it all, including uh, Misty seeing Candace's body and Claire looking uh, at a flyer for a dojo run by one Colleen Wing, Pete, if you can believe yeah, that. Yeah, I audibly uh, reacted when I saw that. We had known from uh, New York Comic Con with uh, Rosario Dawson's inclusion on the Iron Fist panel that she would be a cast member. Uh, you, you, you see it ever so quickly on the little, uh, uh, tear sheets there on, on the pole. But, uh, she had mentioned at New York comic con, you know, she has a great sensei. So in, included in that series. And again, she's got this connection with Luke Cage. I think it makes the return all the more likely. At pops, Bobby fish returns to find the Carl Lucas file and in the uh, Harlan's Paradise office, Mariah has the picture of Biggie taken down and replaced with uh, a picture, another picture that shows two crowns and two heads. And uh, Mariah's prince then comes in, that being Shades. She, she leans on him. Uh, she bites at his lip. And it's electric enough for Shades, Pete, to take off his shades. Yeah. Uh, I love how Mariah has embraced what she is as a villainous here and this is all watched by misty 
that we don't get the the definitive on, but she seems to be rolling rogue here, Matt. You know, she's she's back again. You know, so much of this symmetrical. Where did we first meet her? We met her in the club, stalking her prey. She is back in the very same position. We then get a different view, that of Diamond back in the hospital, alive, but just looking so worse for the wear. And uh, he's going to get attended to, though, Pete. It's Dr. Burstein, surprisingly, back in the story here. Burstein shuts the door on the police officer standing guard. And then, Pete, we cut to more exteriors of Luke being taken out of the city. He murmurs that sometimes you need to move backwards to move forward. Always. They hit the bridge, and we see the city as the season ends. Now we're going to talk some bad... Mm. Shut your mouth. We're just talking about bad guys, Petey. Where are we starting? Diamondback here, clad in the the comic suit. Uh, not made, of, of course, of comics, but from the comics. Updated, the, the big throwdown here. Uh, left alive and in play and under the care of Dr. Burstein a, a, a second uh, Lucas boy to get the, the special treatment here. Seems to me, ding, ding, round two a coming whenever they get around to season two of Luke Cage. Pete, next on the list, we have Shades finally has made it all the way up to be the true number two of this whole operation. And uh, maybe a little bit more than that. Well, the, the murder here of Candace is a particularly cold blooded thing. Um, what I, you know, we'll talk about it in our, our theory segment next is a little difficult to grip onto from a storytelling perspective. I think we accept it given the, the genre of story in which it occurs, but how he's able to lure Candace out, Candace, who has been put up with Claire's mom in hiding and granted has seen everything go down on TV and, and therefore thinks it's safe. You know, Mariah's been arrested, everything like that. But, you know, um, I think this was the episode that I really started to not like Shades. There was a swagger before. There was a playfulness. And you see him do what he does in this episode. And there's not a likable thing as a result of that. It's interesting that in his quest to to make his way up the ladder uh, of power, he finds that you know with all these other um, with all the other power people, um, Cottonmouth and Diamondback uh, and uh, Domingo all all gone now. Uh, that's that's elevated his status, but he must he must bend the knee uh, to Mariah. I don't I don't know that we are meant to have a definitive thought as to whether his flirting is uh, is genuine or an attempt to to further himself. but I he, think he, it's left nebulous, and I think that's the way that they want it, you know, that there are the, the two pictures that, you know, the biggie photo comes down, and instead, you know, we have two with a crown there, um, not only trying to sidle up to her, but, you know, potentially usurp her. Well, Pete, you mentioned her. Of course, we have to include Mariah on this list of baddies. Somehow she's walked away from this absolutely squeaky clean. 
Yeah, and it's hard to believe. I know there was quite a bit of reaction, yourself included, Matt, in terms of, you know, <clears throat> the bad guys seemingly get away with this and uh, the, the good guys pay. Yet it's going to be through this struggle either in their next series, in uh, Defenders, whatever bleeds over into other shows that these characters grow rather than, all right, we got the bad guys. I beat up the bad guy. Let's let's go away until you know we're coming back. I, I enjoy where we leave them. You know, Misty's left in, in a, a point of, uh, you know, crossroads here. You know, does, does she does she take these two out and become a, a vigilante herself the, the way that she chided Luke before? You know, she's become so much like him working outside of the system through her actions. A woman is dead. And, uh, you know, Luke embracing his fate, going back to prison where before he he fought it. And, um, you know, he's 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 got to have a plan. I, I certainly can appreciate that that everybody knows there's more story to be told. I would prefer more of the bookend. Um as opposed to the the thing to leave us hanging to buy next month's issue, um, just a just a storytelling preference there. But uh, certainly looking forward to having these uh, these uh, leftover threads from season one be resolved in the near future. And of course, Pete talking about the future. I want to give a big thank you to everyone who has supported the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek by heading on over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. You keep the back catalog up and you keep the future looking bright. We have so many wonderful patrons who uh, hopefully they're getting themselves a little something something for what they're able to throw our way. So thanks again. And just know that you're helping Fantastic Geek uh, you know, pay its bills, stay afloat, uh, soar even higher. The big picture where we break down theories about the road ahead. Pete, where do you want to start? Well, Matt, let's talk about the life of an NYPD detective. You're, you're out in the field, you're, you're running down clues. If you're Misty Knight, you frequently find yourself inside the scene shortly after the crime, yet imagining what happened. Why would you not have a password on your phone? <laughs> Pete, that is not only heads up, but uh, I believe she has an iPhone that, that is at the very least defaulted. Now I'd have to go back and look. I think it's probably a new enough one where it has the, the fingerprint thing. Biometric so. son. Yeah. I mean, come on. It strains credibility. So are we to imagine here, Matt, that she had it on, that it hadn't locked when she had her hand on the gun, ready to arrest Mariah for murder. Um, Diamondback, throws the grenade the phone goes flying shades picks it up and it still doesn't lock and he's able to uh you know come on if scarf had put in cotton mouth under an alias you're telling me that misty wouldn't have put candace parker in as some kind of alias it it really does strain credibility that 
he would be able to so easily uh, find her, fake her out, and then murder her. Granted, story's got to move forward, but it, it just felt entirely too convenient. Story's got to move forward. Story's got to wrap up. And I don't, while I share your concern, I don't quite share your your veracity just because I think you can see the hand of the writer plainly on this one and and they got to do something to wrap it up. There's not episode 14 coming. That's not how it was built. So the most elegant of landings, perhaps not, but, uh, but uh, a landing nonetheless. What is going to happen with Diamondback? It would be too easy to think that, all right, we're going to have the same powers where they were already fighting to a virtual draw. So what kind of powers will he take on? Well, you know, I think it's an opportunity to really take things in, in some interesting turns here. You know, I kind of think of, uh, of the abomination, um, and, and how that was the Hulk, but bad, but also different. Um, Another opportunity, I suppose, is kill him off early on in the second season, surprise everybody where, you know, oh no, the, 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 the experiment's gone wrong and explosion. And then, you know, there's some sort of, you know, somebody else gets sprayed with the goo or that kind of thing. Um, it's, I like that they left him alive, even though I was not super crazy about this as a finale because so much was left open for the future. Got to get us some more diamond back, man. Lastly, Matt, how is Luke going to get out of Seagate a second time? Well, I know he turned down legal help, but either you're going to have Luke as the fugitive perpetually chased to, you know, serve the time for the crime for which he was supposed to be serving and all of that, or you get him out once and for all. And it seems to me, you know, maybe he's maybe he's broken out. Maybe there's whatever drama, drama for the the immediacy of the defenders. But I bet by the time you get get to episode two hundred one of Luke Cage, you know that Hell's Kitchen attorney has helped resolve things once and for all. Word on the street, where we hear from you, the listener, and Pete. I understand you got a good one there. Yes, Matt. Uh, Bob wrote into the uh, Fantastic Geek Facebook page, and he writes, Matt and Pete, you asked a question during the podcast for episode 111 about if police would announce their intentions to enter a building during a barricaded gunman situation. Absolutely not. It is ridiculous to think the police would give away their positions, let alone their intentions. I can only reason that the writers were trying to acknowledge that police generally have to follow the knock and announce rules that accompany search warrants. Police must knock and announce their presence, authority, and intent, and then give the occupants a reasonable amount of time to let them in. The knock and announce rule is there to help a judge's inquiry into whether or not a search was reasonable under the Fourth Amendment. And this is uh, Wilson v arkansas from which that ruling stems as with most things under the law there are exceptions knock and announce is not required if doing so would create undue risk of injury or death to the officers 
or allowing the defendants to destroy evidence. These exceptions are examined on a case-by-case basis. And in our situation at Harlem's Paradise would appear to allow for immediate entry without announcing intentions. Also, the officers would not surround the suspect in a tight circle. <laughs> this is something Matt took issue with, creating a crossfire situation, um, especially since a highly Uh, especially such a highly trained unit like ESU. Even as patrol officers, we received good, solid basic training on building entry, building sweeps, and safety during active shooter training that was the response to the horror of the school shootings our country experienced back in the late 90s and early 2000s. Not creating a crossfire situation was highly stressed no one wants to be shot by not-so-friendly fire. I also found it ridiculous that Diamondback and Zip were able to just slip out a side door and escape. It's one of those moments in a show where you just have to close one eye, shake your head, and let it play out because the show needs to move on with its own agenda. You also speculated as to the nature of sugar, that he is a decent guy in the wrong company. This seemingly based on some of the decisions he is making. I wonder if there is another reason concussion. How many times has sugar been hit in the head? This series, (laughs) he has been in a number of fights and Luke likes to slap guys upside the head to knock them out. I think the MCU HVU the Marvel Cinematic Universe Heroes and Villains Union needs to step up its concussion awareness training. Keep on rocking the podcast, your friend Bob. I'm going to take Bob's idea and run with it. I think what we have perhaps in Sugar is some MCU CTE. Well, thank you, Bob, for your your thoughtful input and um uh, it's great to get that that law enforcement take on on some of those uh, particulars in the show. I, I will I will grant the show some leeway with the the circle around Luke Cage. I think that's what that's what cinematically is called for. Uh, and I think most people would be like, oh, you wouldn't stand in a circle like that. Um, as for the as for the 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 no knock um, policy that they should have put in. I'll even I'll give some credit to the writers here and say perhaps they knew that. I mean, part of part of the dialogue that this show has had is not to demonize police wholeheartedly, and the fact that they were going in this instance above and beyond. I think above and beyond what we as lay people saw as as was appropriate. What Bob, as a professional, is saying would be appropriate. Um, the fact that somebody is writing them as cautious and professional cops um i find some meaning in that and i i find i find them in, in in trying to make a point with that even if it does strain what i think we could all agree is is kind of professional credulity in the situation well pete before we start to truly wrap things up want to say that we will be back of course with one more luke cage season one episode that uh, that will wrap up the season for now and do stay subscribed, however you're listening, uh, because uh, as there's not just Defenders news, but specifically Luke Cage news, season two and the like, uh, we will update accordingly, even with a little uh, little nugget of an episode there. 
And just a reminder that we have launched our Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek. We have a couple episodes already waiting, so you don't even need for that to drop yet on Netflix before you go into Marvel Netflix Defenders withdrawal. Well, Pete, one way to avoid the withdrawal is to keep in touch with you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 8,567 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast day and night, 24-7, 365. We are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a P-H. You can find us on fantasticgeek.com, fantasticgeek at gmail.com, fantasticgeek on Twitter and Instagram as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek, all one word with the PH. You heard before how Bob was able to utilize it. It's just another way to interact with us. Well, Pete, with that, time to wrap things up. So I will say adios to you for this episode and give you the final, final word. Remember who you are.